Fill her up. You're listening to the Gas Digital Network. What's going on, everybody? We got a great show for you today. The mighty Brendan Small of Metalocalypse and Death Clock fame. Wow, we finally did it after 600 and however many episodes. Hey, man, Brendan's great, too. And I mean, the movie was awesome. I don't know if you saw it yet, but it was great. I, I haven't seen it yet. I can't wait to see it. I hope I, I know a lot of places are sold out of the Blu-ray, so I hope uh, people can find it after this because we want Warner Brothers to get uh, to get their uh, stuff together. <laughs> we we get into a little bit of Warner Brothers stuff on this. Just so Just you know, right if you jump. <laughs> we're not a we're not a uh, financial advice podcast, but I can say if you I think if you held for five years, you'd be down. But I think if you were I think if you bought last year, you'd be up, but we'll see. I think death clock could be the one to get this Warner brothers stock price. Up. You're hey looking man. at the chart right now. They, I am. They uh, control uh, the economy in, the, in their universe <laughs> of the whole world. Right. So. Well, yeah. And it's a uh, business is slow for them right now uh, in, in that, in that Holly weird world. But listen, today's episode with Brendan small from, from death clock is brought to you by Factor, and I want you to check out their meals if you haven't yet. I've used this company before. I am currently using this company, and I'm not just saying that because they're a sponsor. I love a good old ready-to-eat meal kit that you can fuel up fast with with uh, flavorful, nutritious, ready-to-eat meals. Head on over to to Fact... Wait, I always get this link wrong. It's you got to tell me how to say the... the, It's the link is Josta50 and the code is Josta50, right? So yeah, it's uh, factormeals.com slash Josta50 for 50% off of your first box. Yeah, and it is the link's always in the show notes. You're going to love it. They got keto, they got they got uh, vegan, vegetarian, they got protein plus. It's all prepared by chefs and approved by dietitians. Factor, factormeals.com slash Josta50. Use the code right. Josta50, right? That's I got right. it. I'll get it. I'll get it. Also, thank you to Indie yeah. Merch Store. Just go to Indie Merch Store after the podcast today. You'll see all the pre-orders. You'll see all the restocks. We love us some Indie Merch Store. Uh, one of our sponsors of Milwaukee Metal Fest, and we will have hopefully an announcement for you guys soon for 2024. And you know Indie Merch Store is going to be set up there with the huge booth again, killing the game. IndieMerchStore.com. Use the promo code JOSTA10. And right now, this week only because I'm leaving for the Hatebreed Tour, um, we are unloading the warehouse we are extending the 25% off. Use the code SUMMER at martyrstore.net. But it won't work for the meet and greets. I'm sorry, but it will work. And the meet and greets are almost all sold out anyways. I think Baltimore's all sold out. Starland, uh, the 10th. I think the Florida meet and greets are all sold out. You can check. It's all over there at martyrstore.net. Use the code SUMMER, S-U-M-M-E-R, for 25% off this weekend only. Because, um, yeah, we are headed out. I'll be, in Bo- I'll be at Born Dead Fest this saturday september 2nd right so this is yeah born dead fest this saturday september 2nd and then we're off to canada and then big news we got dave peters from throwdown we got john basley from baroness and dave peters from throwdown is coming on next week throwdown is playing furnace fest get your tickets before they're gone furnace fest dot us i gotta make sure it's not org i think it's dot us but that's it. That's it. That's all we got to plug right now. Of course, Gas Digital Network or GasDigital.com. You don't even need the network anymore. Just Use code Josta30. 
yeah, we got we got like three or four, I think, new podcasts up there by the time you're listening to this. Definitely new uh, How Awesome Is This episodes. It, uh, it's, it's stream- It just finished streaming as we're recording right now. So uh, nice. it should be up there any minute. And then I have a new uh, story behind the song episode up on Patreon. And I and that's patreon.com slash Josta. And uh, yeah, that's about it. Sign up for the email list, jamiejosta.com. Follow us on the socials and we're getting back into the groove. All right. We got Brendan Small, the one and only Death Clock Mastermind, now onto the show. My friend, the lead singer of Hate Breed, the infamous and notorious Jamie Jasta is in the building. That's what's up. Jamie Jasta from the metal band Hate Breed. That guy's famous. Coffee, death metal, and push-ups. That's Jamie Jasta. Remember Jamie Jasta? You know him. He's podcast, but he's also he's a metal man. I would say delete that. That shit is hard. We, we do we do have to throw Warner Brothers under the bus out of the gate though because they didn't send us the movie. So oh really? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I've so been apologies for like two weeks. Really? Well, and throw them under the bus. It's like That's fine with me. <laughs> it's insult to injury too when I look at the fucking stock price and I'm like Nathan Explosion can't make this fucking Warner Brothers stock price go up how many how many uh uh drive diners drive-ins and dives and eight I know. Like 600 pound life do we need give that it is- to creatives like you to do good shows and maybe the fucking stock price will go up you are bringing up very interesting topics of corporate synergy <laughs> very interesting <laughs> <laughs> well if they if they see this and uh and they need someone to turn it around to turn the boat around would you say you know want to do some ip mashups or what like what's a warner ip that you think you could write and 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 get back to the top of the mountain Oh, geez. Oh, geez. You know what? It's funny. I think about IPs all the time because that is like where the market is right now because because people are people are looking for a no risk situation, right? Rather than doing something new. I'm always like, hey, let's just do something new. Why don't we be influenced by all this really cool stuff and do do a new project that really kind of takes into the next place? Because, you know, there's a lot of really cool Warner IP out there, but it could be... Um, I don't know. I, I really don't know. Here's what I think. IP should all just be heavy metal. You should take great bands and make IP out of that. That's the IP I'm interested in. Yes, same. And uh, as a yeah. former Viacom employee, just to keep it like even, I will say I look at that Paramount CBS stock price and and get mad every day, too, because just knowing what they have, all my old clips, all the old Headbangers Ball, we can repurpose all the Ricky Rackman stuff, all the Eddie Trunk, all the Scott Ian Rock Show. I mean, we could repurpose all that catalog and uh, recolor it and do new Talking head stuff. But it's like I just and I I hate to start the negative. I hate to be negative Neil out of the gate, but the suits ruin everything. And that's you know, I like that you're getting some redemption because you got the film coming out and that's amazing. Yeah. Congrats. It took how many years? <laughs> I know. Well, let me say this on the upshot of all of this is we don't know what's going on with streaming. There are strikes everywhere. Every, things need to get sorted out, but I can't believe within all this crazy world, with all these conglomerates uniting and all that stuff. And again, all the stuff that you mentioned earlier, I can't believe somehow within that we managed to get this movie 
done, this film score done, and this record done in kind of one of the most creative, tumultuous times in the world. It's it's so bizarre. And because all this tumult was tumult was happening, we got to do the project that we wanted to do with nobody really bothering us, which is just a crazy, rare, creative uh, gorgeousness that rarely happens in this world. So um, somehow... We got to do it all on our own terms with the people that we wanted to do it with um, and with the teams we wanted to build. And so, I don't know, crazy things are happening everywhere. I feel a little selfish and a little lucky to have had this experience in the interim to, to build this project um, the way that it needed to be built. Well, so, so say what you want about everything else. I have to say the upshot is I can't believe we got to do this. And, uh, you know, a lot of, you know, when you have these big, huge corporations uniting people get fired uh heads of departments get everything gets kind of messy and i don't really know how any of that stuff works i just know that somehow we got to finish this movie and i got to keep my head down and i got to keep working without any kind of crazy involvement from some corporation that was like worried about what we were doing whatever and our 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 thing that we built is a bonkers midnight movie that is both insane violent uh (laughs) exciting, dire. Um, it is not something that anybody is asking for. It's something that we think is part of this crazy world that we built years ago and putting a, a you know, a button on, on the, on the whole topic, because the whole reason for me to do this show was so that I could end it because TV is such a crazy thing. When you're, when you're building characters in TV, they're, they're in stasis, you know, they're kind of like the same assholes the whole time in our case, again, I say I, I lovingly refer to them as idiots to as dipshits as assholes, but that's what my lead characters and my comedy characters have to be. I think people that are wrong, people that are idiotic, and that we're following them and we're watching watching them fall downstairs and getting uh, you know throwing them into ceiling fans and stuff like that. So I think it's really important to have all that stuff just so you could because in TV the last episode is you really get to have the characters come out and really put the final button on it. And so that to me is the most exciting part of this whole project is having the ability to do that after all this time. Great. Got- you didn't have like sensors breathing down your neck and, and, and suits yeah. trying to oh, you know what? Uh, trim the, old- the running time down. And well, there, there is like, I was stuck with the, I did have to deal with the running time. I did have like a final time that I had to like come in on because the deal, the way our deal was structured, I had to get it to under 80 minutes. So, okay which is a short movie, but you don't see short movies. Movies used to be 70 minutes, you know, back in the old days, like all the universal movies from the, from the 1930s and forties were 70 minute movies. Count Dracula, the mummy, all those original movies are really short. So I don't mind a really short movie. In fact, I think the world could use a little more of them, but, um, cause I don't think everything needs to be three and a half hours to tell a story. I think I can, uh, I can get it. I think you can get it done. There's nothing more exciting than a 90 minute movie. Um, <laughs> Like, uh, I don't know, I just, I always go back to like the road warrior. That is one of the biggest, most epic, vast stories ever, but it's like 90 minutes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look at look, like the Hills have eyes. Yeah. All those, that, oh, that Craven knows how to make a 90 minute, like exciting horror thriller. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's like 70 minutes or 75 minutes and you get exact, you know, you just, you just you want what you get at the end and you're like, thank yeah. God. So, so yeah, so, so that was the only thing that I was up against. So I had to, so basically you're borrowing against yourself. You're cutting something here to make room for something there. You're doing all this stuff. So you're just always borrowing against your own budget, your own timeline, 
if I do this here, that means I can't do something here. If I use more powerful animation here, that means I got to make something simple over there. So you're always just kind of negotiating with yourself, you know? So that's, so it puts, the, it puts the onus on yourself to, to deliver what you need to deliver. The only thing that we had to do that was, that I also understand because this is just part of how they distributed is we had to go through epilepsy tests and our show triggered the most, ep- like it's called the Harding test and it triggered more. It would have in its original state, which I think looked the absolute coolest. It would have triggered more and more <laughs> seizures, seizures than I think any other uh, TV show. And we don't want people to uh, have seizures, but it looks pretty cool. Um, so we had to find some way to deal with that. That was the only thing that we they were we were really oh, true. I need the seizure at it. Like I, I know, I, I think wanna, that should wanna... have been part of the marketing. Like with paranormal activity, with people like freaking out in the theater, you have people just like the. It's so brutal. The metal is so hard that yeah. it's like causing people to seizure out. Well, you know, I've never had an epileptic. I've never had an epileptic seizure, but I hear it's it's not it's not a really fun uh, time <laughs> because because you're like. Uh, you're not having a good time. It's awful. So I don't want to trigger any. I also get, but plenty of things have happened where whatever. Everyone's everyone's just. Um, I understand where that comes from, but those are the only real things we're up against. Everything else was our fault. Well, what do we have to do as fans? And I know I'm gonna um, I'm gonna hear it from the epileptics. I'm, I was I was making a joke. Oh yeah, and I, and I, um, yeah. <laughs> but it's not you know fun. how they they mark seizures. The the marketing of people um, you know freaking out in the theater worked. You know, it always works. I feel like it works. It for terrifying it works for sure. Yeah. Um, so that would have just been funny if you if you had some sort of marketing element like that. But was there was there a plan to do viewings? Will you do theater viewings? And what can we do to support you and make this thing a big success? Do we go to Best Buy and buy twenty of the DVDs and the album? Yes. And, yes. And, and All of that. Yes. What can we do? Well, you know, this is what this is funny. You you bring up the the Blu-rays. In the DVDs, but, but I'm a I'm like a, I'm a kind of a known physical media collector. So I'm one of those people that says, you know, streamers, that's great and everything, but I want my own library that no one that you know because something something is no longer available on one of the sites. You know, sometimes they just take stuff down, and they mix it up, and you have a. I just like to have everything physical. All my favorite movies. I'm the kind of person that just rewatch if. If I find a movie that I'm interested in, I watch it, I rewatch it, I rewatch it, I rewatch it. My whole childhood, we didn't have cable for a good chunk of it. So I was just taking a movie that we had taped on VHS and I would just watch it over and over and over again. And that's how I would eventually kind of start understanding storytelling and all that stuff, too. But um, but I think the Blu-rays are a really important thing. Getting physical media, I think, is a really important thing because streamers can take stuff down. You know, and um, even if you buy something, sometimes the license will just go away and you just won't have it there anymore, like even in the streaming world. So I'd say physical media is the best way to support all this stuff. And it will be, I think, in major retailers, from what I understand, because uh, I know we had those conversations at some point. But the other thing is, I would love to I would love to to show this movie and do Q&As and commentaries and all that stuff. So maybe there will be a a future where I do that. But right now, what I'm doing is uh, getting ready for a tour where we celebrate the whole idea of Metalocalypse with the Death Clock Tour. We're going out with Baby Metal, and that's where you'll see, like, elements from, uh, you know, we're going to be folding in some new elements into this thing to kind of support what this this whole movie and this whole endeavor. And, um, and the whole thing, when you go and see us live, you'll see it's just like a big... To me, I was trying to build something that felt like a, like a theme park ride, but it's also a concert. 
it's like the Terminator 2 ride at Universal Studios, you know, where the bad guy comes out and starts talking to you and talking shit to you. And then and then the good guy comes and then the story starts and the music starts and there's explosions and Gene Hoagland's there and it's nuts. And there's sweep arpeggios and blood and murder and violence and all that cool stuff. But it's all in cartoon form and on a gigantic screen behind us that's totally synced up because Gene Hoagland is driving this whole thing because he's got a click track in his headset, pushing the whole thing forward. So that's how we're kind of doing it right now. Instead of uh, we're 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 not going to just show you the movie. We're going to perform for you, you know. Um, but I would That's also awesome. love to go and rent out Alamo Draft Houses around the world and go do it there too. Yeah, I mean that would be, I think that would be amazing, and I like that you threw in a little Warner Brothers IP in there, so you could do like if 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 we buy enough Blu-ray ideas, mm-hmm. could you could we get an animated Terminator, uh, Metalocalypse mashup like Freddy vs. Jason? Could you could they meet up in some sort of alternative <laughs> alternative universe? I mean, I would watch <laughs> that over half of the Warner Brothers Discovery shit that they're pumping out for super cheap you know um look let's get me in a room with arnold schwarzenegger and i'll try to work it out <laughs> yeah, awesome hey i tried i, I tried to support genesis just so i tried to support the other one the, what what was the last one I, the last terminator i even got the comics i got some of the terminator comics here shout out to the single id i think he sent he's in the chat i think he sent me some um but as far as um nice it actually becoming a ride could could you know a live action sort of metalocalypse world or or hall of fame or something exist somewhere like could we go to one of their uh like could you if if we buy enough dvds could you get the rights back and can you build out the universe do origin stories and do um spin-off shows there's a really look, there's a really big world here inside of this world. It's it was something that just kind of kept on growing and like a moss, like from the first episode to the second episode to the first season, the second season, the third to the fourth, to the rock opera, to this. The there's a real world that that asked the question, what if the biggest entertainment act on earth were an extreme metal band? And how did that, how would that world look? What would the economy how, what would the economy be like? What would um how would people dress? How would they behave? How would how would they behave towards this band? So we, we keep asking all those questions. And in this world, we even have like a death clock version of Disneyland in one of the episodes where they have their own um, amusement park that is just, a, of course, everything malfunctions and people get shredded to bits. And it's it's really dangerous. But of course, the only way to get in is to sign pain waivers, just like you do at their concerts where people may get trampled, squished, smashed, burst into flames, etc. So uh, I would think it would have to be one of the world's most dangerous theme parks. And I don't know who would uh, who would legally uh, really um, advise that. <laughs> you tell are me. Are you going to have any holograms on the on this tour? There are no there are no holograms <laughs> planned for this tour. Our tour is really like what it is. is is like, like. It really is the most simple thing in the world world but it but it's really built because i go to concerts all the time i go see everybody i see i see every band and i'm always asking you know what is the most entertaining thing we could possibly do on stage and how simple can we make it and how cool can we make it look with what we've got and uh and the answer always comes back to this is the show the show that we perform is just built to be song after song of things you want to hear of things that you that we know that the fans have kind of 
gravitated towards. And we, I always think about like, if I'm at a show, if I've parked my car, if I've paid 20 bucks, if I've gotten out, if, you know, people get babysitters, they have all this stuff and they just want to see the best show that they can possibly see by something they have some kind of connection with. And anytime a band doesn't do that, it's like, like people that see Morrissey and he plays two songs and walks off stage. Everyone's like, what? I just, I just parked. I'm late. And he just walked off stage. Like that kind of stuff is bonkers to me because, uh, because uh, you know the audience is they're 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 meant to be entertained by you in, in one way or another. They we've got this agreement. So I always think, what's the most entertaining thing we can do? And the idea is both play play what we think is important, and um, and make it really fun and exciting, so that when you leave our show, you have a stupid smile plastered on your face the entire night, and you want to go back and you want to see more. That's awesome. No, I, I've seen a lot of uh, promotion for the tour, more so than other like sort of big theater, big, small, you know, small arena, big theater, convention center style tours. So it seems like they're really promoting it. And I, and I was wondering, like, do you have to share in that? Like, do you, is it like a 360 deal for Metalocalypse? Or are you able to um, carve out, you know, something just for you? Or do you have to share it with with Adult Swim? Um, this is something where this is not like any other band. So it's a very different kind of deal where for me to go on tour, I, I have to license it just like somebody else would have to license something. So, so I'm the proprietor of the tour, you know? Okay. So like it, and I, I've never really had that kind of, um, that kind of, uh, authority before, but what happened was like in 2019 we we kind of came back and did a death clock show and it was a, and it was a pretty important one as as it would turn out it's a pretty important one to kind of show everyone that we've got this thing it's really fun it draws a crowd and there's nothing like it and it's a band that was invented under the guise of a TV show and that it's just you know and it's basically me and sitting in this room and I get Gene Hoagland and I get Ulrich Wilde and then we do the music part and then we've got a whole other component, which is a, t- a whole group of animators and compositors and storyboard artists and actors from, you know, Mark Hamill to uh, Werner Herzog, who's been in the, pro- the, 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 the show, to, uh, you know, Kirk Hammett, to Scott Ian, to King Diamond acting and Amy Lee from Evanescence and all kinds of people, Thundercat, all joining us for this thing. And... And then somehow it's also a band. So it, it's treacherous. But I have to say, I have I've been working with agents for like about five years. And that was kind of their goal was to say, like, hey, how can we make this work? How can we get this thing back in your hands? And how can we how can we put you back out there? And that was kind of the that was they brought that challenge up to me um, over at APA. And I'm really, really impressed with they wanted to do this and they they did it and they made it work. And they've been talking to so everything we do we have to kind of like just talk and say, Hey, this is what we're interested in. Tell us why it won't work or whatever. And you have to have a conversation. But ultimately what I want to do is go out there, have an excuse to play um, and go on the road and, and, and play and just make, and, and seriously, I think everyone's been through a pandemic. Everyone's out of their minds. Let's, let's think it's time to have fun. So I don't know, that that's a lot of information. Um, but that's kind of, that's kind of how the whole thing works. No, that, that's really cool. I, I didn't know that. And I, I appreciate you sharing that because I always wonder 
why certain properties aren't licensed out and taken on tour and and others are and i think it's probably because of people like you said like the folks at apa being able to find the right deal where it's worth their while to have you license it and and of course it's got the quality has to be there and you gotta i don't know how much risk you assume but when i go out on a hate tour mm-hmm. i'm assuming the majority of the risk yeah, and, yeah. Or, or when i set up scary. Uh, it's a scary place it, to be right yeah no when i when i set up milwaukee metal fest i assumed a lot of the risk shout out to gene because dark angel played and they they ripped it and you know that was that was amazing so shout out to mr hoagland uh yeah Daddy-O, if you're listening and mm-hmm. uh and we you know obviously we want we would love to have death clock play in in 2024 but when i watched that show uh you know because the youtube video was great of you guys doing that festival, I was wondering, yeah, is, okay, it's an adult swim festival. Does it have to be an adult swim no, presents? We are good question. It doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be. We could definitely do your we could definitely do your festival. Cool. Okay. Good to know. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, it's, I, it's I possible. Do. Yeah. Well, if so, back to my original question of the Warner IP. If you could take another one on the road, <laughs> like a musical, like could we do? Could we like what about all the Hanna Barbera stuff? I loved that stuff. Why is it just sitting doing nothing? <laughs> Let me give it a shot. <laughs> you know what? That's really funny. Have you seen? Have you seen the? Just speaking of of Warner IP, have you seen the Bat Metal videos that that a bunch of animators, I think, from Ukraine or Russia? Um, did for death clock songs they took a bunch of death clock songs and they animated them and they used all dc characters and it's really it's really intricately done and really silly and really funny they took some of our a couple very silly songs from our first record and made um and made these really cool videos so i don't know maybe there's a way to do that maybe i think batman batman should have a death metal band i think so that would that would make some sense to me if you could get like christian bale's batman in there (laughs) For sure. No, and when they did the the whole death metal series, there wasn't really death metal with it, like on the soundtrack. And I was like, who at DC is doing this and not checking with anybody who knows anything about death metal? And that, but, you know, but you brought up, you, you bring up yeah. something interesting because fans, these are fan videos, and I always think the fan videos are better, like the, yeah. like the made up fan trailers and stuff, like the Power Rangers one. That that dude Joseph uh, did, where where they're like doing coke and like the live action uh, adult <laughs> Power Rangers. Oh really? That's funny. That. But but suits. Yeah. You know, shut it, oh, shut it dude, down. I'd love to see a dark fucked up Power Rangers <laughs> thing. That's funny. You know, it it really that is that is also funny. It, it, I think also I'm listening to you talk about. Um, like, like there's a group and there's like a hearing where everyone talks to each other. I don't know if that's happening at like any of the, at, at, at any of the streamers. I, I always wonder if one department is talking to the next because it seems like it's so unwieldy and so huge. It's the same illusion that I think of like the music industry. Cause you're a proprietor. You're, you, you, you take on the risk of your own, of your own IP. You, um, you do it yourself. You know, you, you are like, you're like, we're all our own little PT Barnum's trying to get people to come into our tent and, and see, uh, you know, the wonders inside. So we're, we're, we all understand that, but we're all kind of these little individual islands doing this stuff that appears to from very far away, look like an industry or look like it's interconnected. And it is because we, you know, we talk to each other and all that stuff. 
in real life, but it really is a bunch of separate little islands. And I think that's kind of what this is right now. And I think they're especially since since these major mergers are happening, they're still because what they're doing is they're merging. They're devouring kind of some of their 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 the people that built the things that they're buying and trying to pick up the pieces and move forward. And it turns out the know how is not necessarily there because the people that did know are not there and they're trying to make it work. And the communication is as good as you can make it, you know? So I think it's all, it's, it's all a mess and everyone's making it up as they go along. And that's always been what the case is. And hopefully people like you and myself who have an ideology and a project and all that stuff can hopefully find a little plot of land where we can stick our flag and, and make our own thing, you know, along the way. And it's really crazy when any of us get to do it. I, I'm sure you saw the Guar documentary. Did you see that on, on Shutter? Yeah. I was in Guar. Me, that, that's my claim to fame. I was in Guar for two shows, so I have nothing. Oh, really? Oh, for two shows. And okay. fingers crossed, fingers crossed, I'm gonna have the Guarbecue. I'm gonna partner and bring back Guarbecue. Oh, that's so, fun. well, I have. I, I already talked to Brad about it. I have so much affection for Guar. First of all, Dave Brocky was one of the funniest people in the world, and secondly, that I mean, it brought a tear to my eye how gorgeous their Odyssey was and is still, you know, because no one asked for this crazy thing and it's so hard to make it work. And you see them like dumping out the sweat out of their boots and eyeliners dripping down their face and they're hot and they have heat exhaustion and they're, and then they get back on the bus. They're like, let's do it again tomorrow. And then it just keeps, and everyone, and it's just kind of the metaphor for any of us who decide to get into this industry and start trying to do something. It's it really is like you're, you're joining a carnival and you're going to stay on this crazy carnival ride, be it in animation and music or on stage or whatever it is, building, building a character, whatever it is, all that stuff. It's all the same thing. And I feel like that was just the best documentary that depicts how it feels to be fighting for, for the right to be able to just do the thing you want to do in front of people. Yeah, and, and be creative and, and take a, a wild and crazy idea and prove everybody wrong. Because I, I know how many people passed on on Guar and all these different, um, you know, venues passing on the tour because they don't want the, you know, the damage the and the blood. And, 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 and having been yeah. in them, been in the band for two shows and I, my open, my band also opened my other band with Kirk from uh, from Crowbar and Down, we, we would open and then people would come up to me. I'm out back with all those guys. Like you said, they're covered and they would come up to me and go great show because they knew who I was from the opening band. Whereas yeah. the guard dudes, they would just pass by. And I was like, geez, you gotta, you gotta load up all these blood bags and do all this stuff. And you don't even get a great show from anybody. <laughs> it's like no glory. And they do it night after night. And yeah, yeah, nothing but nothing but respect to them. And, you know, staying punk rock like they have, I really respect that even more because if that's that's one thing I could say to my young self is like, don't give any of these fucking scumbag suits your your IP, your art, your music in perpetuity. Don't give them that. I, I wish. But well, actually, I better be careful because if you anybody from Universal sees this, mm -hmm. we are hopefully getting the licenses for some vinyl. <laughs> so but you know yeah, how hard it is. Man, don't screw it up. Yeah. <laughs> No, I know. But like I always I always joke around like when we got off uh, Universal and, and went to Roadrunner, it was like when we would call Universal, it was like tumbleweeds in the office like mm -hmm. 
like because they just canned everybody and then you got to start from scratch and i get it like the, it, I'm, I'm not saying i want to run a huge corporation but let put the fans put the real good creatives who are killers like who get up every day early and want to do the work put them in charge of the ip that they actually like yeah so that we can all get these characters and these stories and your universe that you built out is amazing. You could do, you literally, there's no limit to what you could do. You could do a Broadway show. You could do video games, theme parks. You could do all this stuff, but you have to somehow the rights either have to revert back to you or you got to get somebody like you have, like your team at APA that are killers that can get in there with these suits and go look how much we made off of uh you know dvd sales on the movie we got yeah, to do yeah, this, yeah. this you know. i guess the proof will be in like you know what happens after this project comes out because it is nice to have this kind of trifecta of a movie a soundtrack album a record and a tour happening at the same time and it takes you have to like back the record up to like three years before this to kind of start start organizing all that stuff but but to, to be able to, because I, I, what I always said is the thing that Death Clock can do that other shows can't do is we can go on tour and entertain people, you know, playing music. I mean, I know that Tim and Eric can go and do their tour, but it's, uh, we're, we're recreating um, a celebration of all things Metalocalypse when we go on stage. So it's, it's, it really is just to, to build musical entertainment. And by the way, here's, here's, here's a really interesting thing to think about because when I first started, you know, I went to music school and then I got into stand-up comedy and I got into TV. And my first TV show was a show called Home Movies, which was very, very different than Metalocalypse. And it was kind of a homegrown show that was deficit financed by a production company, a studio. And it was really hard when we went to Adult Swim because the show would end up being canceled and go on to Adult Swim and have kind of a second life. And what I noticed was the shows that were born in-house at Adult Swim versus the shows that were outside would be kind of, whether or not it was true, in my mind, I thought it was, I saw like a little bit more advertisement dollars going behind the things that they own that they can get like, you know, recoup on, you know, basically. And our show is like, you're on your own. If you want to take out a full page ad and whatever variety or any of that stuff, it's up to you. But uh, we don't really own your show. So, you know... And then I then when Metalocalypse came together, I knew that we would get more visibility from uh, a show that we, where we partnered with the network. So there was a trade-off, but the trade-off paid off by them advertising a little bit more. And 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 our premiere of Metalocalypse, you know, way back in like 2006, would end up having the highest premiere of any Adult Swim show at the time. I'm sure it's been beaten several times over since, but that was the payoff partnering with someone that has more money and a bigger visibility than just a homegrown studio. So, so the question is how do you get everything? And I don't know, unless we've got our own money, this is going to be the question we keep on asking that cross section between us as artists and commerce, because this has been going on since artists, you know, since, you know, I'd say the medieval times since patrons would paint, would ask someone to paint something amazing for them, you know, to, 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 to pay for them to, for Michelangelo and for like the Sistine Chapel and all that stuff. Somebody had to pay for that. Michelangelo didn't have the resources or the time or he couldn't live just doing it on his own for free. So the question is always going to be, where do we find some kind of independent financing to get something big happening? 
and how do we maintain some kind of ownership at the same time? And I don't know what the answer is, but right now I know that <laughs> while everyone was running around and the sword of Damocles was hanging over everyone's head, we got to make this crazy movie. And it's bonkers that it it's bonkers that it got made and it's bonkers that it got finished because this, like I said, is a bonkers midnight movie that wasn't that no one is asking for. Everyone's asking for IP and IP and IP. And we've got and technically this is this has been around long enough for it to be like an IP that has its own kind of little miniature atmosphere and its own little kind of like weather system and everything quick interruption especially if you need lunch to go especially if you need an extra boost in your wellness going into the fall treat yourself treat yourself hook yourself up with factor meals today's sponsor a great company that i've used many times and i'm currently using treat yourself to 34 plus weekly restaurant quality options for meals on the go delivered right to you like bruschetta shrimp risotto green goddess chicken grilled steakhouse filet mignon ready in just two minutes or if you're vegan they got you if you're keto they got you factor meals got you dog step your meal game up right now go to factormeals.com slash josta50 use the code josta50 and next thing you know ding dong don't be a ding dong. You want to hear the ding dong, and that's Factor Meals getting delivered, ready to eat meal kits to help you fuel up fast with flavorful and nutritious food every damn day, Buster. Factormeals.com slash Josta50. Use the code Josta50. While I have you, IndieMerchStore.com, our longest running and greatest sponsor. IndieMerchStore.com is the place to go after the podcast to get all your metal merch needs met say that five times fast get all your metal merch needs met five times fast maybe you want that new convalescence you know that's going to be banging they got hats they got shirts unlock 10 percent when you use just a 10 that's the code at indiemerchstore.com. Hit that pre-order links. Shit, you could even go to indiemerchstore.com slash Josta to see stuff that I picked out that maybe you want. Get that new Cannibal Corpse chaos. Horrific. Speaking of which, we got call, Paul from Cannibal Corpse coming up on the podcast very soon. You'll see it all. IndieMerchStore.com. Use the promo code Josta10. Now back to the show. That you could expand on. If, if you were to ever do a live action, who, who would you cast? Oh, man. Who would I cast? It's so funny. You, I've seen like somebody, somebody, somebody was messing around with like Mid Journey, and they, and you can tell like who they're drawing from to kind of get the characters to like do a live action version, but um, but yeah, I really, I really don't know. It's funny, you know what? It's when you ask that question, I, it, I don't have a good answer, and the reason is the fact there's only one they, answer. Oh yeah, corpse grinder. grinder corpse grinder. Yeah. <laughs> corpse grinder, of course, is like who you know. That's we've been very vocal about saying that corpse. You know, Nathan Explosion's physicality is one hundred percent based on the you know the powerful frontman force that is corpse grinder. God bless him. But, uh, but yeah, I'm show um, you the. I was going to show you the cover of the corpse grinder album that. Oh, but here. oh no. I love that. I love that. And I know that record. And I love that it looks like that. And I love that everything's merging and intertwining and uh, <laughs> mutating into the, the same thing where he is basically turned into Nathan Explosion. I, I fucking love it. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Uh, thank you for not uh, for me. I'm taking it back. And I'm like, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um, 
Oh, but you know, the reason I don't think about the live action stuff is because there's a part of my mind that makes me think that one of the wonderful things about this project is that it doesn't exist in the real form. There's something about it being tucked in your imagination and these gaps that I think I want, when I think about the, the death clock records, when I think about the movies, I think it's just these big, you know, explosions of world building. And we sometimes we'll build a piece of the world way over here, like these subterranean underwater songs, like this mermaid or song cycle, or, uh, you know, go into the water. And we have this kind of lore that ha- that sits underneath everything else. And people don't really need to know what it means. I've got my own ideas of what it is. But then again, um, you know, Nathan Explosion told me to do it. So I'm not sure what he wanted. And we have this whole wor- world building thing stacked over and people get to kind of like, connect the dots and populate this whole thing. Cause there is a logic that kind of holds this whole thing together. And when we start making it real, I wonder, and I've always wondered, will some of that slip away, but it's, maybe it's possible. I'd love to do a short film test of something like that, where you really try to build that world out. That would be incredible. I, have you ever had like a, um, a, a want to work with practical effects and, Oh and, dude, uh, yes. Absolutely. I did a project called Galacticon and my brother works in practical effects. He works in makeup effects. He worked with Gabe Bartolis. Gabe Bartolis is known for working like with Frank Henenlotter from Basket Case and all that stuff. Wow. Gabe Bartolis also works with uh, the in the Cream Master cycle. He did all the effects in the Cream Master cycle stuff. If you get into Matthew Barney world, all that, just really deep, crazy stuff. So my brother's worked on all kinds of stuff. He works in making theme park rides for like Universal and Disney also. So he's like helping, like he's in the think tanks trying to build all this stuff, but he also does life casts. He does like, you know, builds practical effects. And so I've, I've, in fact, in this movie, I wanted to take, cause I I'll do live action music videos where I really try to put some kind of a challenge together. So I did a, a video for Galacticon where I got David Desmalchin, who's in the voyage of the Demeter, Demeter, whatever However you say that, he's in that movie. He's in the new Dune. He's in all these things. But he's this kind of character. We built this practical spacesuit and all this cool stuff. We built this creature, this underwater creature, and we filmed it inside of a, an ink tank. And because it looked like, because we were watching ILM stuff, we're like, oh, they must have shot some of these creatures, these practical things underwater. So they float and they look like angels and stuff, you know, like Poltergeist and like in Indiana Jones uh Raiders of the Lost Ark and all that stuff. So we did a lot of that kind of stuff. We built ink tanks, which were like the backgrounds in Flash Gordon where they have those practical tanks and they fill them with colored liquids. And we have these, um, I can even show you, like, uh, let me see if I can show you a still here and there. But like a still of like, um, of these really crazy practical, oh yeah, this is like something that we'll use for a background in a scene where you see like these, beautiful ink tanks like live action kind of cool big wide anamorphic there you go there's the yeah there's the galacticon video so that's an ink tank there too and that's a practical spaceship that we actually built we had a model builder build us and no way yeah i did this with funny or die and when i was at funny or die working on this project i met a compositor named brian weeder who i'm working with so when i get off of this i'll be working with him on extra concert animation where we're employing all these techniques so we built 3D models. We built practical effects stuff. I went and ran around on a green screen and leapt around and, you know, like, so we could roto a couple of things um, or give animators, you know, like, this is what I'm looking for. This is exactly what I'll go and act it out on a green screen. And the idea is, you know, 
in animation, you're indoors all day under fluorescent lights. Everyone's around you eating Doritos and you know, Starburst. <laughs> Everything's bad. So how can we get out of how can we get out of the office and go get our hands dirty? And so I think about Roger Corman. I think about just building practical effects. I'm a huge fan and proponent of uh, practical effects so much that I now bring them into animated projects. So it's it's a long, fun journey trying to like just upgrade and up, you know, punch above our budget, punch above what we've done before. And this next movie, again, it's so much more cinematic than anything we've done because we're employing all these techniques and it just looks better. It looks more cinematic and it's more dire and it's more moody and it's something that we've never done before. And I always think the comparison is Star Trek, the series versus Star Trek, the motion picture. There's something bigger going on or Wrath of Khan or this dire, scarier, heavier. And that's what we're trying to do with this whole project too. So yes, the answer, you just, you just got me excited by talking about all that practical stuff. So yeah. So yeah, check that out, that video out later on. You'll see there's a bunch of cool stuff in there. And, uh, and, an, and an excuse to play with anamorphic lenses, an excuse to play with uh, live action. By the way, um, yeah, you'll see, you, just check it out. We built robots. We built all kinds of stuff. No like way. Lens and stuff. Because we were looking at like, oh, let's make this feel like film. Let's make it feel like the black hole or something that happened. You know, there's that old Lars von Trier uh, kind of filming technique, uh, or I guess an, an adage or a, a philosophy, which is Dogma 95, where he had to, a set of restrictions in order to make a film. How can you make a film with natural light, with no edits, only in camera? How do you do this? So I was thinking, instead of Dogma 95, I'm going to do Corman 82. Anything that Roger Corman could do in 1982, I can do in this video. And let's play by those rules. And if we can't do it, you know, practically, then let's do our digital equivalent. But let's still follow that same kind of like um, signal path of analog to get to our final thing. And so those that's how much fun we were having making this movie, because we were asking those same kinds of questions with... How do you make it look like old Disney? How do you like, how do I get an undershot of a character? Because almost everything in TV is eye level. How can I get some really cool angles? So, so my brother started building 3D models because he knows how to 3D sculpt in addition to practically sculpting. He, he was sculpting like busts of all the characters so we could put them in different positions and turn and move our camera and redraw. But it's not a 3D world, so we have to redraw everything. So we'd have to be really judicious about what angles we really wanted. And we just would have conversations about film, about movies, about what, what would John Carpenter do? What would John Carpenter's heroes do? Howard Hawks. What would um, Akira Kurosawa do? What would this person do? What would that person do? And we were just asking that stuff all the time. And in storyboards and all that stuff, it would start really coming to life. So you'll see a, a different version, another just new angles. You see like a three-quarter upshot of Squiscar that you haven't seen. I remember we were kind of trying to get everybody excited by showing experiments early. And everyone was like, oh, I've never seen that angle of Squiscar, Squiggle before. And it just opens up the world and, and a new depth yeah. of the character comes out because we're really showing more angles of them. I love that. That's 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 great. I mean, I, I know that the anticipation is is there already, but um, it it's great to hear you talk about it like that. And I love that uh, Roger Corman is a is an influence. Oh, yeah, because I, I have his book here, and I actually read it uh, prior to doing the animated uh, Corpse Grinder video. And I actually really wanted George. Shout out to Andrew Ralph who who did the animation for us for the video. 
And uh, our, our, our one mess up that we did was we have Corpse Grinder kill Epstein. And I think anything Epstein related, you get shadow banned on YouTube. <laughs> so he kills he kills Epstein with a hair whip. And um, and then once once they started commenting about that, we was like we couldn't. It was shadow banned. We couldn't oh, get in the algorithm. Um, but but uh, but leading up to that, I really wanted George to act. And I had this three part. I had like a elevator pitch, which was the three part, uh, uh, you know, George basically saving kids that were getting trafficked and and because yeah. the whole record is about him killing people. Right. And so it was going to be like a three part video. Uh, and Corman's book was huge in that, in you know, just yeah. knowing what what he did to make these movies and get it done with the budget that he had. Um, it's really cool that you bring up. I mean, that that you have that relationship with Corman because I think Roger Corman all the time. Roger Corman's philosophies. The document. Did you see the documentary where Jack Nicholson starts welling up in tears talking about his relationship <laughs> with Roger Corman? Oh, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. And I got to interview Roger Corman during the pandemic. And that was one of the cool highlights because no way because listening to Roger Corman talk was what inspired me to do that Galacticon video. Listening to him speak was really exciting. And I, and I just wanted to, so there's a video on shout factory somewhere, you know, the Blu-ray company. And, um, Oh, I have to find it and and check it out. Is he okay? I know he's in his nineties now. Like, is he, yeah, I've tried to get him on the podcast. Well, what I did was I I wanted to kind of basically put all the information that really helped me in one place so that other people like me, you know, like us would be able to hear it and and be influenced by it. So I wanted him to talk about budgets. I wanted him to talk about, um, you know, you know, his what he what he brought to the film world. You know, not only did he um, did he you know, did he produce hundreds of movies that were of, you know, um some of them B movies, some of them monumental, great movies, some of them. And then he also helped distribute and let America see all these foreign movies too. He's the one that got um, Ingmar Bergman to America. You know, he's the one that like helped kind of people see an, a new way of making film. And also how many, how many directors careers did he start from Francis Ford Coppola to Jonathan Demi, you know, silence of the lambs to, um, to uh, Martin Scorsese to, uh, to to everybody like so many so many different oh to uh ron howard as a director um to joe dante to make gremlins and all that stuff all that stuff i love all that genre stuff of course i grew up in the 80s so all those movies are my you know that's what i grew up on that's why i'm here that's why i'm trying to be creative for a living because of and it all goes back to roger corman so i would i also asked him what his favorite movies were Of course, he said the Battleship Potemkin, which was uh, a new release when he was a, a young boy. Um, so, wow. And he's so a Detroit guy. Really, it was really cool. and, um, and it was uh, very surreal just to, to prompt him. I gave him the questions in advance, so, and he took it very seriously, and he answered them all. And man, what a cool, amazing time that was. I have to go check this out like right as soon as we're done that's that's so yeah. awesome i you would be you would be amazing doing something for death race bring that back i i liked uh, a lot of those uh the, yeah, the, the remakes yeah. or whatever yeah yeah the, the jason statham ones yeah those those death race movies are crazy um i you know there are there's like a whole he's got such a huge library of movies and at one point i was looking at like oh uh what is it um 
is it? Well, I'll have mask I'll of, mask of the Red Death. I don't want to screw it up, but but there's like a library of his, and Shout Factory now has like owns their library, and I was perusing it to see if there's something that that I could consider doing something new with. Frankenstein Unbound. Oh, dude, Frankenstein Unbound, bonkers, yeah. <laughs> the Pit and the Pendulum, yeah, like yeah. Uh, Mask of the Red Death. Ma- Mask of the Red Death, yeah, that one is great. That one's great. I think they may be remaking that one too, but that one's that yeah. one's great. Super great. So, so all that stuff to me is super exciting. So you, you're like me, you like music and you like film, and I think they're all kind of the same thing. They're all timeline-based stories, and um, and I think if you can do one and you want to do the other, you can really definitely, obviously, make it happen. And that's that's what's really fun is um, is again using your project as an experiment to take your hero's words like Roger Corman's and put it all into practice to think ahead. Like even for that Galacticon video, here's how here's how much I really wanted to do it. I knew I was making a record. I was in the middle of making it, and I figured it would come out somewhere like a year from now. And so I got together with my brother and I said, look, I really, I really am losing my mind. I need, I really want to do some hardcore practical effect stuff. I want to get behind the camera more because, you know, animation's fun, but you got to build every single thing in live action. You can just turn a camera on and get a cool angle and get a lot of mood and get a lot of cool stuff happening. And it's free practically, you know, animation. I need 35 guys to make a dude drink a glass of water, you know? <laughs> Yeah, who, who can we shout them out? Like, who was doing it? Um, oh, who, Titmouse. Okay, Titmouse Animation. It, yeah, so they're in Hollywood, and they were they were doing like commercials and music videos when I first met them. Chris Pranowski and Antonio Canovio and Shannon Pranowski were there, and so I had met them because I had this idea, which is like another uh, something else that I'll probably be pitching soon that I just recently made a pilot for um, a project and. It was Ralph Bakshi related, kind of fire and ice related, but a comedy. And uh, I really wanted to get into rotoscoping. I wanted to like, again, build storyboards, throw myself through the paces, have to act out all this action and get it all rotoscoped and really make it look like, you know, something cool that would have happened between Don Bluth and and uh, uh, Frazetta and uh, Ralph Bakshi. Wow. So, so I was talking to them about this project Then Metalocalypse came about and I said, wait a minute, we should talk about this. And can we do a big order with this company? How do we make this work? So we've been kind of figuring out how to do it together. Now they have like 40 something TV shows like and they're all over and they're all over streamers and stuff. And they're a huge company, but um, they have the archives of all the Metalocalypse stuff. So I wanted to bring back as many people from the original team that were available and then add all these new components with, you know, kind of again, the compositor, Brian, that I work with, Brian Weeder. Um, he has a love for practical and a love for like after effects and a love for 3d and a love for, so he was building 3d sets and building all kinds of things in our world, which we'd never really done before, maybe just a little bit here and there, but, um, but it all comes through Titmouse and basically like what we're doing, this is what we did for about two and a half years is just met online day after day, screen shared had stupid conversations, just made jokes and just kept pushing the ball forward every single day. And there's nothing more fun than the act of making it to me. That's so cool. I, I, I can't wait to see it. And, um, and hopefully they'll send it to me, but we're going to, we're going to get all our listeners and watchers uh, yeah. to go buy the Blu-ray and DVD and support this. 
quick interruption one last time. Hope you're enjoying this episode with Brendan Small and you want to go and get yourself a Hatebreed meet and greet or some merch or a Josta uh, and Josta for all t-shirt. Maybe you want a coffee, death, metal, push-ups t-shirt. After you listen to Death Clock and slam some coffee, go to martyrstore.net. Use the code SUMMER this week only for 25% off. Use the code SUMMER at martyrstore.net. Link is always in the show notes. Now back to the show. Is there a chance you could they would ever sell you back the rights or or their share so you could just go wild with it? You know, I'm sure there's some kind of world where I can get the rights. The question will always be, where's the money coming from? You know, as usual. Um, so, you know, we'll see how this does. The, there's a lot of logical stuff that happens in order for us to get this far. First of all, they have to kind of look at our fan base. And even though our show has not been touched in 10 years, it's like a weed that you pull out by the root. And for some reason, it just keeps growing back. And we didn't water it. We didn't, we didn't like urge it back. In fact, we tried to kill it, but it keeps on coming back and it keeps growing because for some reason, and I know what it is that this is you know heavy metal. We're talking about, you're talking about headbangers ball and shows that, that did support heavy metal, you know, back in the day, which were shows that I was interested in. But I always thought, I think this show has a chance for surviving because heavy metal will always be a strong and an important force to a lot of us. And also the numbers are strong in the heavy metal world and they really support what they care about. And I really wanted to make sure that there was something that's entertaining for the heavy metal world. And that also could bring in more people and say, Hey, check out, like check out the people that we have on this show. Go, go, go listen to them. Go listen to like cannibal corpse, go check out arch enemy, go check out enslaved, go check out, you know, go check out the people that have been around, you know, a lot of people in order to learn what heavy metal is have to have someone that shows it to them. Sometimes yeah, a cooler older sibling. I don't know about you, but I had a friend that I met when my family moved when I was 13 years old. And my friend had a denim jacket with Slayer patches and a mullet and, uh, he he's the guy who taught me who King Diamond was. He's the guy who showed me like right when and justice for all came out, like what that record was. He's the one who showed me who fate's warning was. He's the guy who showed me. And then who showed me who Yngwie Malmsteen was and all these guitar shredders and like, you know, Steve Vai and Satriani, all the things that would eventually be crucial to, to me. He showed me in one day and I wouldn't be who I am if I hadn't met this guy. So I think not everybody has that cool friend down the street. Maybe we can put it on TV. That can be your cool friend down the street. You know? Yeah, the gateway for sure. Yeah, something. I still I still have like young people come up to me and go, I saw I heard of Hatebreed because of Triple X, Vin Diesel jumping out. And like that still to this day, when they yeah. do when they when they repackage a DVD and put it out with our video on it for Triple X the movie and, 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 and weird stuff like that. You're totally right. It's like a compass. And that's why I want to see these uh, bigger streamers take metal uh, more serious because it's, I mean, I know like you were saying though, but I agree with you. You want someone to breathe wall, put metal on the other side of it. (laughs) Yeah, no, serious. And I, I could have swore you did an interview. This was years and years ago, but I could have swore it might've been with Loudwire or someone shout out to Loudwire, but you, you were talking about the relationship with adult swim. And it kind of sounded like somebody had a grudge because of the fan base being so dedicated. And I love that because if they fucked up, that's the fan base's obligation to tell them you fucked up. 
because it, the suits. Yeah, yeah. I, I I agree with all that stuff. The the truth is that it's so funny because there was a because because at some point I I mentioned because people were going hey what's going on with the show and I said look I pitched something they said no what am I going to hard no do? was it was I, I remember yeah yeah it was kind of like a yeah exactly so um and so all these fans kind of got together and and were were trying to send stuff in and I think it just made. It may have made things annoying. And then somebody asked me in this interview cycle, they said, so it sounds like that thing didn't work, huh? And I said, well, and I thought about it. And I think I answered and I said, yeah, maybe it didn't work. But then I realized, wait a minute, it's 10 years after we've done anything with this thing. I think that did work. It just took a while. (laughs) You know, I think it really, really worked. It just took five, seven years, you know? Um, so, So, yeah, so I think, you know, fans... You know, people show what they want. And, you know, I think of like the Internet and Hollywood sometimes as being like your grandparents uh, trying to give you gifts that you've outgrown. Like, hey, here's some more of these Marvel movies we got you. Like, oh, grandma and grandpa. I, I'm i not really interested in Marvel movies anymore. Oh, yeah. Well, we got you. Well, Thor's a girl now. <laughs> yeah. We got you some a one Wizarding World of Harry Potter's Fantastic Beasts for you. Like I like Harry Potter, but that's uh, Wizarding Fantastic Beast, Grandma and Grandpa. I've outgrown that stuff. Like, where's the new stuff? Is the question that's always happening. I mean, again, I can't really denounce anything that are like billion dollar, like mega super hits because some of them are pretty fucking good. <laughs> like, like Christopher Nolan's Batman's are just so damn good. I yeah. cannot believe it. It's just, it's just. By the way, all that Christopher Nolan stuff is all hyper influential in our world in Batman and uh, death clock too. And even saying like, you know, like, like having death phones or, or, um, or like, you know, going on to like, whatever it is, we would substitute the word death or clock be- before any kind of like thing or like, you're like, uh, what, whatever it is, just like the original Batman series would say, like, let's go to the, the same bat time and the same bat thing. We'd play death <laughs> or clock. And it was all kind of Batman related. And their home was almost like, Wayne Manor in a lot of ways. So those were kinds of things that were like making. So there's a lot of Warner Brothers IP, I guess, even wound up inside of this just because Christopher Nolan's Batman was such an, a monumental, huge thing. Well, get get James Gunn on the phone. Tell him metal men. Right. Wasn't that a thing like DC owns metal men? Metal. That's metal right there. They didn't get it. They didn't. They don't have a show yet or anything. Who was in that? Will Magnus. What was the. I don't, I don't Brian. know that one. <laughs> Maybe Brian can look that up. Before we go, and thank you so much for the time, Brendan. This, this is a fascinating oh, yeah, chat. Really nice and, and finally, yeah. It, I, I really appreciate you doing this, and, and I want everybody to go and support this August 22nd. Uh, you can sh- obviously over couple million people have already viewed the, uh, the Army of the Doomstar official trailer, which is out now. Do you ever look on the Reddit? Do you ever read it? Oh, um, no. <laughs> No, I don't. I know people that, that I work with that do, and sometimes I'll hear a little bit in peace, and I'll hear something like, oh, I'll hear something that I like news that normally I don't want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's, it, there's some positive stuff on here. Like, I, oh, I, that's, it's nice to hear the posi- that there's positivity. <laughs> and by the way, it's rare, it's really rare that I get a lot of negativity with this stuff, but I also stay as far away from all that stuff as possible because, uh, I like how uh, small my life really is, you know. 
Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. it, you. If you're going to consider it, you got to consider both, right? Because you need balance. You can't just well, go you know and look at the good reviews. It's you bring up something really interesting because when I first, um, when I first premiered my the first TV show I did, Home Movies, we like they flew us first class. We did press junkets and like from we were in Boston, we went to like Pasadena to like a Ritz Carlton that used to be there. And we spent all day doing press junkets and one and the next day or like, you know, a couple of weeks pass. And then they give me like a telephone book stack of reviews from the first episode. And the first review is like, hey, this show is great. It's really smart. It's this and that. And it's got all this great stuff. Oh, great. And I'm like, oh, I'm pretty good. And then the next review is like, this show's not very good at all. In fact, it's very poor and it, it's thoughtless and no one's good. And everyone's dumb. Oh, that's not so good. And the next one's, oh, it's really good. And it just keeps going like back and forth and back and forth. And, and if I let the good stuff get in, I have to let the bad stuff get in. And the truth is, I agree with both. Some of that stuff is good. And you're right. We should have tried harder with the other things. So in order to be bulletproof in this industry, I think we've got to make peace with what worked, what didn't, and why. And this is an acting adage that I learned from Howard Fine's acting school. And it really is that he got from Uta Hagen. And the truth is that we have to make peace with what what we think really did work, what we think really didn't work, and why the hell didn't it work. And and if we're going to get better at our job, and we have to beat the shit out of ourselves just a little bit, and do our best to try to achieve what we wanted to, and ultimately, I think uh, live in a state of constant disappointment in ourselves. <laughs> That's the only way I think it can work. So I'm yeah, doing no, it right. you, you you make a good point there. Yeah. And also no, I think, kind of, I think it's, be tough, be tough on yourself, you know? Yeah. And suffer a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Let it zone. hurt. Let it, let it sting. But also the, that critical voice in your head, you know, it has a pretty good place, but it also needs to shut the fuck up every once in a while too. So you got to find some kind of a balance. And I know that if I go on to Reddit, I'll get the accolades, but I'll also get probably the not accolades, but don't worry. They're all going on in my head right now without me going anywhere. Well, I, I think people are going to watch this and they're definitely going to want a theatrical release. And I see that they're re-releasing a bunch of different movies around Halloween and stuff. And and I know they do it around Christmas and other times during the year. So I would love to see this get a theatrical release. And, and it's great that you did get a chance to seal it all up. And and now it's like you've 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 uh you've made the baby and now you got to release it to the world i know i know august it's, 22nd uh, do you, i mean do you feel confident um never i mean never 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 that's i mean so that rare. way you're surprised if it does great and you get the yeah, yeah. i mean i think my, my my serious philosophy is um is uh when you finish a project you make peace with what worked, what didn't and why. And then you move forward because there's, and you release it and then it's everybody else's. And then my relationship with it is going to be very different than everybody else's with it. And it has to be that way. And it's always been that way. And I talk to people who my, I admire a great deal and they feel the exact same way, which is that, um, um, I did the best that I could, but I'll never be able to do what's inside of my mind, you know, unless I, and even, and even people that have, endless, you know, huge budgets, it's still the same thing. So what can you do that, that, um, you can sign off it and say, this is the story, the best I could possibly tell and the best resources and the best way. And, uh, that I'm not embarrassed to, to put out, 
<laughs> you know, that's always the question. And um, and that's for everyone else to that's that's for everyone else. The people that already have ownership of this show, the fans of this show, it's theirs. It's not mine. And um, and they get to decide. But this is the uh, the pure intent of what the show was from the beginning to the end without someone changing it for me. This is what the intention was. So it's me honoring our intentions from the beginning of the show to now. And that's all I can do. Well, can't wait to see it and and best of luck with everything. And I, I had a I don't want to keep you too long. I had I just wanted to hear a Brent Hines Mastodon uh death clock tour story if you had something good. Oh man, okay. I'll you give were you. allowed to say I'll give I love I love Brent. I love talking to him. Um I saw him uh I saw them with Gojira not too long ago and I got to hang out with him backstage. And it's always the most fun thing. I remember um we were at uh, <laughs> I remember, I think he had, I think he had maybe dropped acid, uh, right before we went on stage and they were going on before us that night. And, uh, it was a Halloween show and we were at like, uh, we were, we were, uh, at a college, we were at a college and their college students like dressed up like zombies, which made me think, oh, that'd be, that'd be a cool idea. What if zombies went back to college, got their degrees, you know, became professionals. Um, so I was like, okay, I'll put a pin in that. But, but then I thought, uh, then, then Brent's like in basket, like really short basketball shorts and a headband. And he looks like Will Ferrell from that like basketball movie. And, um, he plays and he says, good night. And he peed right into like, the floor, <laughs> like right where I stand. And I was like watching backstage and <laughs> me, me and my bandmates were like, that's just Brent for you. <laughs> what are you going to do? You saw the puddle forming and just. That, but that was a long time ago. That's not the same guy. He doesn't pee on stage anymore. I don't know. But I love when he does because there's nobody like Brent. God bless him. They are, Seriously, they, they broke the mold. I don't think, I think every time we've done the podcast, there's been sort of some sort of international um, emergency right after the podcast comes out where whatever he said on the show, like risked them getting their Grammy or what. And I always got to like either, I always got to edit the shit out of it or take it down or whatever. And I, and I love that about Brent is he's just so, he's so authentic. Yeah. And that's probably yeah. why Mastodon has the staying power and the, and the, the, the fandom that they have is because it's that he's, he's truly authentic. And when you're truly authentic, your, your, your life is so rich and full. <laughs> Absolutely. That is, a, that is a great way of saying it. And, and each of, each of Mastodon from, from Troy to Bill to Braun, they're all such unique individual personalities and they're each so creative and they yes. all bring such a, a wonderful color to the project. And it's, it's amazing to watch them evolve over the years. And, uh, and Braun and I, like, I, I mean, Braun and I just like, we're movie nerds. We, we made good friends way back when we just talk about, we talk about Terrifier too. We talk about Dune, the original, uh, the original Dune, the uh, David Lynch Dune, all the time. We've watched it together probably a hundred times. So yeah, movie nerds, mu- music nerds, all the yeah, same. They're, they're they're really something else. Uh, I love them. Well, Brendan, thank you so much for the time and, and best of luck once again. And uh, hopefully, we'll have you back on. You know, when you get the rights back and you're doing a prequel and you're doing the origin story and you're doing oh, the, 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 you the, 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 films. the amusement yeah. ride and <laughs> everything, else. the whole park, the whole metal, the whole oh, theme park. 
we'll get you back or Saudi. We know some Saudis now. They own Live Nation. We can it's make it happen. 40 something billion dollars and I'll make it happen. Easy. <laughs> All you need is that Saudi money and your goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got- <laughs> I'll take it from anybody. Saudi, Vladimir Putin. <laughs> just give it over. Awesome. Thanks so much, man. Great right, talking man. to you. Good talking to you too. I'll see you later. Quick outro. What'd you think, Brian? Quick outro. I mean, shit. Brendan's the man. I've been watching Metalocalypse since it started. So I I was, this is great. This is great for me. Fascinating stuff. We bonded over the Corman stuff. It was like, he did all the heavy lifting. He could have went, I mean, this was a show. I wish it was like three hours. I know, you know, people don't want to commit to three hour podcast, but man, I could have, I could have gone four hours with this dude and just picked his brain. It was amazing. Absolutely. He's a, he's a wealth of knowledge. I hope he'll come back. And I hope that everybody goes out and gets the Blu-ray, goes and supports the film, you know, buy it on pay-per-view. You can buy, when you buy a film like that, what does it just live in your account? Like your Amazon yeah. Prime or. So I got it on Amazon and it, I could just log into my account and it's in my, my purchased videos. Great. And is there any like bonuses like you would get on the Blu-ray? Like, are, are there like bonus digital files that you can watch? Uh, I, not that I saw. I just watched the movie. Okay. Well, I hope I hope this uh, this is the start of more great content and um, characters and universes from Brendan. If this is super successful, but I'm either way, I'm excited to whatever the next project is going to be. And uh, thank you for supporting our sponsors, IndieMerchStore.com. Use the promo code JASTA10. Of course, MartyrStore.net if you want to come see me on tour. Starting at Born Dead Fest this Saturday. By the time you're listening to this, get your tickets because they're they're running low. We're playing in Albany, Born Dead Fest, Hate Breed, Bleeding Through, Pain of Truth, and a ton of other great bands. I think uh, I think there's still tickets left to Starland, but they started to pick up uh, fast. Those are moving fast. Baltimore's almost sold out. Florida's almost sold out. Um, Quebec is almost sold out. Still got tickets for Milwaukee, but that's a big venue, so those you could probably walk up. But you'll see if you want to get the meet and greets, there's still some left for a couple of the shows. Go to martyrstore.net. Use the code SUMMER. And, uh, and of course, thank you, Factor Meals. Go to factormeals.com slash JASTA50 and use the code JASTA50 for 50% off and uh, you'll see a bunch of great meal kits that you can order vegan, keto, uh, vegetarian shit. You can get filet mignon delivered to your door. And next thing you know, you're slim and you're trim and you're fitting into that. Used to be two X. Now you're fitting into that large because you you went to martyrstore.net to buy that goal shirt. So you look trim and slim, lean and mean, come to the hatred show, hit the pit, sweat it out, eat your factor meal, fuel up beforehand. What else? Go get a peeling flesh hoodie. Fuck yeah. <laughs> um, and we should have a Milwaukee Metal Fest update for everybody soon. So go give the go give the Facebook a like, follow us on Instagram, MKE Metal Fest. And uh and yeah, sign up for the email list at Milwaukee Metal Festival.com. Um, who knows? A lot of a lot of stuff is in the is in the pipeline and it's looking good. And and we'll be back. Next week with Dave Peters from Throwdown and John Baisley from Baroness. Thanks for uh, supporting the podcast. We appreciate you. And if you want some extra content over the weekend, go to patreon.com slash Josta. You'll see there's about five new podcasts up there, solo podcasts up there. All right. Bye-bye. Love you all. Coffee, death, metal, push-ups. You know, you know the deal. Bye-bye. Produced by Brian McKay. Executive producers Jake Olszewski, Ben Lee, AJ Lewis, Garrett Keeping, Dan Smith. Nick Torito, JJ Hernandez, Joe Bartovic, Jason Jarvis, 
Chris Larice, Alex Smolin, Todd McKee, John Blewett, Richard Miller, Kyle Marg, Nate Leffingwell, Morgan Costner, Mark Tag, Zapagor Waikato, Niall Scollard, Kathy D'Ambrosio, Justin Steven, Jack Flanders, the Pit Commander, Andy Wilson, Jeffrey Kuhn, Kimo Humalamaki, Jonathan Metis, Brandon Cooper, Matthew Jankowskis, Jamie Kutcher, Ryan Undercoffler, Matt West, Ryan Maurice, Chad Green, Dallas Hendricks, Jacob Arensberg, Kenneth Moore, Kona Butterflies, Stephen Helm, Richard McIntosh, Jeff Stevenson, Ryan Williams, Larry Tooley, Dallas Bowen, Ryan St. Nathan Rex Madrid, Cameron Hendricks, Scandalous Official, Joe Monson, Let's Talk Resident Evil, Andrew Chase, Guy on the Couch, Chris Winchester, Antonio Reyes, Joe Otson, Dustin Stone, Lee Walker, Ryan Levson, John Hankis, Robert Bushaw, Troy Seal, Mark Horror Armenta, Jay Liberston, Nick Fowler, Mike Horgan, Emma Horgan, Arnorock, Patrick King, Oscar Brummett, Stacy Steinecke, Fernando Somoza, Patrick O'Brien, Dominique Zimmer, Ryan Sanders, Lara Snyder, Daniel Burt, Milwaukee Metal Sausage, Adam Boss.